My mom is special to me because she's always had a sacrificial spirit that she's willing to go above and beyond to help and to serve others. My mom is special because I always felt loved and she laughs at my husband's jokes. What makes my mom special? Um, my mom is special because I believe she was anointed to discipline me. She could discipline me, pinch me in church and nobody would know. And uh, no, I'm just playing. Now my mom is special because I know I can call her at any moment and she's always gonna have my back and even take it a little bit farther and get on that person if they're ever against me. What I love most about my mom is her sense of humor and especially if she's caught in an awkward situation, her reaction is always the best. My mom is special because she's my best friend and no matter how busy life gets, she always makes time for her family. My mom is special because she was a single mom who raised my brother and I with two jobs. She never complained and no matter what happened in our lives, we always felt loved. My mother is special because she is funny, man. My mother is straight up funny. Love you, mama. My mom is special because she is the most selfless person I know and she makes those around her want to be better just by the way she lives. So with that being said, I want to wish all you wonderful moms a very happy Mother's Day. Hello, welcome to Life Church today on this Mother's Day weekend. I count it an honor and a privilege to be able to speak to you. My name is Tammy Cole, and my message for you this weekend is titled, Choose Joy and Stop Spinning. I don't know about you, but when I am doing tasks like ironing, um, I tend to watch Netflix. So. Back in January, as I was pulling up my iPad, this prompt came on for a new show. And I really wasn't in the frame of mind to watch what this woman had to say because she looked like she had her life all together. You know what I'm saying? She just looked calm and tranquil and just this peace radiated from her. And I was just like, my life is crazy right now. I am taking down Christmas decorations. I am still trying to get my house back in order. I do not have time to watch this woman and her little tidy up show. So you may have seen the show as well with Marie Kondo and her mission, her goal is to come into your space, to come into your home, into your office, into your garage, into your she shed and completely clean it out, to organize it, to take all of your pack rat ways and change them, to take the rooms that are filled with bins and more bins and to clear them out and for you to organize your life. Now, as someone who tends to think that she is a neat and tidy person and, and has her stuff pretty much all together, um, I can tend to be a little bit low key, if you would, a bit of a pack rat. Now, Aaron would call them my stacks. And I do, I like to have stacks. I organize things according to whatever it may be, like soccer, um, you know, you have the club and then you have the high school and then you have the bills and you have just different things that are going on in whatever season that you might be in. And don't mess with my stacks, right? Because I know where everything is and I know the order and I get it. So 
I tend to be a little bit of a pack rat, but not too bad. Not like these people on this show. I mean, these people, it was crazy rooms full of bins and bins. And Marie's mission, her goal, her purpose is that she wants to take all of that stuff out of your house, all of, all of the stuff that's cluttering your life, and she wants you to only keep what sparks joy. So her little coined phrase is that. It's what, what you hold in your hand. Does that spark joy? If it doesn't spark joy, then she says you need to put it in this pile that you either put in a garage sale or you give away. And it had me thinking, you know, what in life besides stuff Clutters our life, our schedules. As women, we run everywhere. We are constantly moving from work to school to offices to, to programs, XYZ activities for our kids, to trying to stay healthy, to the grocery store, to whatever it may be. We are constantly running and our schedules are cluttered and they're full. And sometimes when you live life like that, when you're living life with, your, with, the, with just so much stuff going on, you can tend to become somewhat dry and be in a desert place. And it can be lonely and things can start to feel very bland and blah, gray, tasteless. You can have this feeling that you are very small, lonely and timid. Sure, there might be happy moments sprinkled in between certain things and certain activities, but for the most part, you're just feeling very alone. There just aren't any sparks of joy. Back in March, I was able to attend a women's empowerment bruncheon. And this brunch, which I was so excited for, because who doesn't love Eggs Benedict, crispy bacon, you know, your fruit plate and, and a blueberry scone. But when I heard who the keynote speaker was, I was a little bit disappointed. Like I started playing this out in my head. Okay, how can I go just for the brunch and then like, you know, exit as soon as that's over, like slip out the back door, excuse myself and say I had to go to the ladies' room when actually I'm just leaving and going back to my room. So, you know, I, I kind of talked myself into just attending for the brunch and there I was and I was seated next to some great women at this table and we, we were talking about how to empower women and how to make women realize their strength and their capability and it was just a great time. And I got too connected to the lady to my left and I didn't notice that they were getting ready to introduce the speaker. And before I knew it, the lady to my left said, oh, they're getting ready to introduce Shauna Nequist. And I was like, oh no, I'm trapped. Here I am. I'm going to have to sit here and listen to this lady. And I've tried. I've tried to connect. I've tried to read her books. I've listened to her before. And I just wasn't connecting. I just couldn't connect with her. But God knew. God knew that the message that he had given for me to speak to you this weekend, 
that it wasn't finished yet, that there was some holes in it. And I had been complaining to him. I had been complaining, come on, God, you know I need the hook, the hook that I can get these women so they'll pay attention and they'll listen to what you want them to say, what you want me to say to them, what you have laid on my heart for them. So I need the hook. And I'd been complaining and just all of March, I'd just been struggling with this hook. And he brought me to a place and he trapped me in this room to listen to this woman speak. And boy, he got a hold of me. Sometimes he can use people when we don't expect it, right? And I'm sitting there at this table and I'm listening to Shauna speak. And the Holy Spirit just comes over me like a flood. And he says, what I want you to say to my daughters is that I see them living their best life, just like a hamster on a wheel. They're constantly moving, but they're going nowhere. When they're resting, they aren't even resting in me, but they're resting in things, which is causing them to have little to no sparks of joy. And then, the words of Jesus in Luke 10, 41, come flooding over me. Martha, 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 my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled? Pulled away by these, these many distractions. Are they really that important? You see, Mary, Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted and I won't take this privilege from her. You see, Mary had found the one thing that truly sparks joy, spending time with her precious redeemer, healer, and best friend, the one that knows her better than anyone else because he created her. And she knew that it was a privilege to sit at his feet. Now we don't look at spending time with Jesus as a privilege. We tend to look at it as another item on our daily to-do list, something that needs to be checked off when we finish it and we move on to the next. We fit him in, in between getting the kids ready and out the door, or as we're walking out the door to go to the gym, or in between going to Target and picking the kids up from school. We don't spend the time that we need with him. And he sees us and he says, you're spinning. Oh, sweet daughter, you're just spinning and spinning and spinning. And he's going, Martha, Martha, my beloved Martha, my daughter, my daughter, my beloved daughter, stop spinning. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, in the message translation, it says this, God has invited us into a, has not invited us into a disorderly, unkept life, but into something holy and beautiful, as beautiful on the inside as the outside. I was reading the book by Brene Brown, Daring Greatly, and she alludes to this kind of life that we women live. 
She says that we live in a tangled web of our own creation, one so woven and complex, conflicting and competing that we find ourselves asking these three questions. Who should I be? What should I be? And how should I be? She goes on to say that the number one shame trigger for women is personal appearance. That we, we struggle with being thin enough, young enough, and beautiful enough. And I'd like to say she was wrong, but this whole week I have battled with what can I wear to make me appear 10 pounds thinner and then knowing that the, the camera adds another 10 pounds, so really I need to be 20 pounds thinner than what I am right now. So what can I wear? Like all black? Like I wanted just to drench myself in black. But then I thought that might be weird because it might just be this head floating on a screen, right? Because, I mean, you have, you know, the, the Appleton campus where it's this jumbo IMAX screen. Talk about intimidating, right? They can see every wrinkle. So I'm just going to slather myself every day this week with L'Oreal Revitalift, hoping that all the wrinkles will just melt away. Make sure my hair is done and my nails are done and my outfit looks good. Shaming myself, trying to appear as though I'm not instead of just owning who I am and walking in confidence in that. And then she says the number two shame trigger is motherhood. And I love the way Brene says it in her book. She goes, bonus, you don't even have to be a mother to experience mother shame. She says that we as women, the world, that our value as women is often determined by where we are in our relationship to our roles as mothers or potential mothers. Brene says, but the real struggle, the real struggle for women, what amplifies shame regardless of the category is that we're expected and we sometimes desire it ourselves is to be perfect yet we're never allowed to look as if we're working for it. You might remember um, that there was a commercial tagline for a cosmetic company, and it went something like this. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. We have a letter board in our home, and it sits on the mantle of our fireplace. And I change it out seasonally. And for the past oh, month or so, it has said, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's five different apps in a filter. Because we live in this world where perfection is sought so highly after. This image that we have to appear better than what we might really be. And all the while, Jesus is saying in that still small voice to us, stop the spinning. You cannot be everything to everyone all the time. Going back to the brunch conversation that um, Shauna Nyquist was talking at back in March, she spoke from her book, Present Over Perfect. And she talked in this chapter titled Daughter. 
And I love what she has to say. She has this theme that she says that we as Christ followers and how we should live, that this is courageous rhythm and that it's rest, prayer, service, and work. And it got me thinking, what's so courageous about this rhythm of rest, prayer, service, and work? And it kind of hit me as I was trying to do it and I was having problems with it and I was struggling. It's because it's so counter-cultural. But she says that this rhythm, this rhythm is biblical. This biblical rhythm was modeled to us by Jesus himself. So then it makes me think, well, who, who am I to say that, that my way is better than what Jesus modeled? So I really worked on it. I really tried to hone in on this rhythm of rest, prayer, service, and work. See, we, we get up in the morning and we just hit the accelerator on our life and we just go, go, go. But I have found since trying to do this model that if I allow myself in the morning, so whatever morning is for you, I know for different people it looks, it can be different. It's not typically the a.m. It's not typically 6 a.m. For you it may be 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. But whatever your beginning of your day is, to start it with rest. And how that looks is you set aside a period of time. I give myself 10 to 15 minutes. And I allow myself to calm down, to slow myself down, to work on my breathing. And then once I am in that state, in that rest mode, then I move into prayer. And I allow myself the privilege to be able to sit at his feet. I have a daily routine of a devotional and then a scripture writing. And in that moment, I allow him to connect with me. And he and I sync our channels together. And when doing that, my day seems to move so much smoother. And I have this rhythm with him, this conversation, this ongoing daily conversation. It goes something like this. When you rest and you have prayed, then when he is sending you out for your day, you are able to know when he needs you to serve for him. So it was a couple of months ago, and we had noticed, Ava and I, that one of her friends was working at Hobby Lobby. She was one of the checkout girls at Hobby Lobby. So whenever I'm there, I would try to go through her lane. So I was there and there was a line, there was this woman in front of me and she was somewhat becoming agitated and um, was getting loud. And I looked at the young lady that I knew that was checking her out and I could tell she was becoming flustered. She was becoming anxious and she didn't know what to do. And immediately I wanted to step in. I wanted to step into that space and I wanted to tell the woman to calm down. You don't get 40% off everything in your cart, only one item. And the Holy Spirit was like, he pulled back the reins. You know, he said, no, 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 not yet. 
And I was like, oh, but come on, come on, Holy Spirit, I can fix this for her. And he goes, I don't need you to fix this for her. I'm going to need you to love on her. So I waited. But boy, did I want to get in there. Mama Bear was riling up, and she wanted to come in there, and she wanted to defend this sweet girl. But I let the lady leave, and then I slid my stuff down in front, and I looked at the young lady, called her by name. She called me my name, and I grabbed her hand, and I said, we're just going to stand here for a minute until you calm down. The tears were welling up in her eyes, and I knew she wanted just to, to cry. And, and, and I was like, nope, you've got this. Do not let what this woman, her attitude and her words, do not let them stick to you. Do not choose what she has done to be able to change your day or affect you in any way. We're just going to stand here for a few minutes. I know there's a line. Don't look at the line. Just focus, calm down, you're gonna be okay. You did your job and you did it well. The lady behind me turns and she goes, that's right, don't let that rude woman change you or, or ruin your day, she's not worth it. And I'm just locking eyes with her. This sweet girl, 17, 18 years old, and I'm just loving on her. I'm doing what Jesus told me to do. And when she had calmed down, she looked at me, she goes, I'm okay now, Mrs. Cole. And I said, okay. And I let her go. At that moment, I was the hands and feet of Jesus to this girl. But I had spent time with him that morning. So I was tuned into his frequency so that when he spoke, when he saw that I wanted to step forward and to fix it for her, he was like, no, 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 no. I don't need you to fix it. I need you to love on her. I was able to do what he needed me to do. And then the last one is work. You and I, we were created to work. We're designed to work. It doesn't matter how much stuff you do if it's not in line with what God has called you to do. So if you're just spinning, just spinning, 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 and you're not doing what he has created you to do, what your purpose is, then you're missing the point. Romans 12.2 states this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So what's your purpose? What's your why? Is it time for you to tidy up and declutter the proverbial cobwebs out of your heart and your life and to start living a life in him that sparks joy? Is it time to release all the expectations that you feel are being placed on you? The ones from your family, the ones from social media, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook. Is it time to get off of those or to take a social media break? Your career, your boss, all these expectations, they keep piling onto you. The ones from, from your neighbors and your friends, or even the ones that society places on you. Is it time to release those and to move on? In the book of Philippians, in chapter four, verse four and on, 
Paul, who is the author of this letter, is writing to his friends and fellow believers in Philippi. His overall message in this letter is that of joy. He says the word joy or rejoice 13 times in the Passion Translation. Now you may be sitting there thinking, well sure, if I was you know, living in Greece or, or Italy, then I could write about joy too. But we have to understand where Paul was in Italy at this time. You see, he was in a prison. He was in a prison writing this letter on joy. Back in July, I was able to go into that space, to walk into the Paul prison there in Rome. And I remember taking this little spiral staircase down into this hole, walking out on this metal gangplank that was suspended with cables and standing in that space. This hole, literal hole in the ground made of stone. It's cold, it's dark, it's damp, low ceiling, very small confined space. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, my mind is just reeling of all the things that Paul wrote while he was in this space. I want to look, but I don't want to look. It's like, it's like a car accident. You, you, you want to see, you want to take it all in, but yet it's just, it's just, you, you, just don't, you can't look. I remember seeing the, the hole in the ground there in the stone where he would relieve himself. And I remember seeing the, the, the apparatus where he was chained to there in the ground. And then the little door to the side, the little metal door where I'm sure that they would bring in his food or whatever it was that he needed. And it's in that space, in that very prison cell in Rome that he wrote these words. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow for you are united with Jesus. Skip on down to verse eight. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. You see, what Paul is saying in that space there is that he is reminding you and I that we are not meant to live this YOLO or this FOMO life, this you only live once, baby, or this fear of missing out. You know, if we don't live in the right house, in the right neighborhood, and we drive the right cars, and our kids don't play the right sports, and I don't have the right job, and all of this stuff, if we don't have it correct, then we're missing out. And no, what he's saying is this fake, glossy, plastic life that you're living is one that is just spinning, spinning, spinning. And it's not what he designed you and created you to do. It's not the life that he has for you. What you're doing is you're grasping onto sand and you're trying to hold it. And all the while, it's just falling through. This euphoric feeling of happiness can never be attained 
You have to find your joy in him and live your purpose in him. And he's saying, be selective. Be selective with what you fill your heart and your life with. Because he created you. He created you for a purpose. You matter to him. No matter how small you feel, how broken you may feel, if you feel purposeless in your life, he's saying those are all lies and distractions from the very pit of hell. That is not how God sees you. That is not how he created you to be. He wants you to live a life full of joy, one that is sparking joy to all those around you. Think about it. If Paul can write from a prison cell about joy, if he can focus his thoughts on joy, then I know that you and I can too, no matter how horrible life may be or if you feel like you're in a prison cell yourself. He says, literally in verse 8, to keep your thoughts continually fixed on what is beautiful and merciful and kind. Declutter the house of your life. Create a space this week, sometime, where you can take an inventory and you can literally walk into your life and you can ask yourself the hard question. Look at your schedule, look at your routine and hold it in your hands and say, does this life that I am living, does it spark joy? Am I living this life in the rhythm that Jesus himself lived, that of rest, prayer, service and work? You see in verse 13, Paul closes with this little bit here and he says, and I find that the strength of Christ in his explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. I encourage you today to be that person in that place that is fully immersed in joy. Be the spark of joy in your world. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you I thank you for each woman that is in this place today, whether they are 11 years old or 111. I pray that you would bless them today, that they would be able to walk out of here knowing that they need to change one little area of their life so that they can be able to spark joy in themselves, in their home, in their business, in their life, that they can be what you created them to be, that they can find their purpose and that you can give them rest and prayer. You can direct their service and their work. I thank you for them. Bless them today. In your name I pray, amen.